brand new adventures expect to fly and leap into sonical changes a radical strangeness and I don't know why we run the fields in a summer night in silent
the world of adventures in grand new adventures expect to fly and deep into sonic changes and radical strangeness and I don't know
Hello and welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was the Flower Kings and World of Adventures. And that's because I've got Reiner Stolt of the Flower Kings again here on the Strange Brew. So let's hear my chat with Reiner. Hi Reiner, thank you very much for doing this. Um, we last spoke, um, I think it was 2019, around the time of Waiting for Miracles. Oh, really? Quite a lot has happened in in the world of the Flower Kings and and much broader as well. And um, the pandemic had a huge effect on live work, of course. But this year seems to have been very busy for you in terms of the shows, the reissues and your current album as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a strange couple of years, actually. I think, though, that a lot of musicians have been suffering more than me both in terms of the economics but also in terms of the more like the yeah it's great playing live it is but it's um i like to be in the studio and record and write music and there's so much i mean now also as you probably know inside out is re-releasing all the catalog so and uh, because of the vinyls but also because some of the the records are not they were not in stock anymore. You couldn't find them. So we talked about it and they decided they going to do everything, but they're going to do everything on vinyl also. In the mid-90s, vinyl was very much on the way out and, and CD was was king at the time. So yeah, especially in that early Flower Kings period, people weren't able to get your albums on vinyl. No, actually, if I remember right, I do have, I think, vinyl um of this, the the first Flower King Flower King's album, not the one that's called the Rodney Salt of Flower King, but the one called Back in the World of, uh, World of Adventures. That one was made like in a very sm- small edition, I think like three hundred or five hundred, like a picture disc here in Sweden. And then there may be one or two more that's ma- in in Japan. I think actually made in in very small editions, you know, just for collectors. But besides that, I think it wasn't until I know that Inside Out made maybe maybe they did at least on for the future. I know for sure they did in 2017 or 16 maybe. So a, a few of them has been on vinyl before, but most of it has not ever been on vinyl. So it's, it's interesting, and I mean it. It gives me a good reason to go back and revisit the original tapes and try to better the albums to take from the original mixes now with the with the studio setup i have now with the, the better converters with uh, tube compression and and you know really tweak and even remix some songs so so yeah it's been actually been more work than i anticipated from the beginning, which is, oh, that's, well, let's see, that's whatever, 12 or 13 albums, you know, okay, I can do that. And now we're sort of halfway, and it's like, it's about a year. Started, I think, in November last year with uh, Back in the World. You mentioned Back in the World of uh, Adventures, and listening back to that, even though that was the first formal Flower Kings album as, yeah. as a group, it's just a beautifully sounding record, and that seems to be a continuing thing through your career. So in those early years, obviously you had your solo release, which introduced the concept, which which flowered with Back in the World of Adventures. It seemed to be like a real conscious decision to get that, that adventurous spirit of prog, but really get the folk and melody in there, which, which for me is just that sweet spot. Yeah, I mean, it, it's maybe or you probably know I, I've been around for a very long time. I mean, since the, the mid-70s with, with my first band, Kaipa, you know, and we were 
touring in Sweden, we made uh, we were signed to Decca and we made three albums. I, I made three albums with the band, and that was progressive rock. And then I've been doing lots of other stuff, you know, uh, producing other people, uh, working as an engineer in studios, working as a producer, playing other kinds of music, of course. But then came back to progressive rock because I was thinking this is probably the, the, the most fun. All the things I've done, I enjoy producing a pop single, that kind of thing. It can be fun, but if I really had the choice, then I'd probably do progressive rock full-time. So that's what I started doing without knowing that I can actually make a living out of it. But I thought, okay, I'll try it for a while. My kids were small at the time, and you know we were, we were getting by, and it's, it was okay. Hmm. And then I realized that there was interest uh, for progressive rock in other places, uh, like in Japan, in in South America, in America, Canada, other parts of Europe. So everything started, you know. And I put together the band uh, because there wasn't a band; it was just like a couple yeah. of guys playing on the recording. And but then I put together a band and we played live shows, and that seemed to work. And uh, just took on, off from there, you know. And we got more offers to play different places, and uh, so progressive rock sort of came back to be my my main occupation being a, a writer and a producer and a guitar player performer of progressive rock and then enter of course transatlantic in 1999 that helped it even a bit and then other stuff like i've been with steve hackett and doing the album with john anderson and stuff like that there's always been something coming up you know and there's always something brewing that <laughs> that's fun you know and and um, for me, uh, I'd like to stay not too long in, in doing the same thing, you know. Mm. But uh, so we, we try to um, sometimes take a break, you know, take a couple of years. So we had a couple of years off with the Flower Kings and then came back. And and now the latest time had another break. And then uh, we've been doing um, uh, Waiting for Miracles and Islands and now the By Royal Decree which has a new new lineup of, of the band. And uh, yeah, it's uh, been a long time, you know, a long journey. Continuing chronologically through that Flower King's journey and fans and listeners have been doing that as the reissues have been coming out across the year. So Retropolis, tracks like Rhythm of the Sea, mm. there are echoes of some of the great moments in Prague. There's a bit of a Pink Floyd element there, but you still find new avenues and, and retain your sound throughout each album as well. Yeah. Interesting thing. I mean, a song like uh, Rhythm of the Sea, that was actually something I brought to record companies here in Sweden as a commercial product. (laughs) Oh, wow. I think with Swedish lyrics. And there's a a couple of other songs from Back in the World, I think. Things like Cosmic Lover, I think. Road to Nowhere, maybe. Uh, I mean, a a couple of those shorter songs, for sure. I I think I did try to get signed to a, a, a label in Sweden, you know, to make a commercial product, you know, with a little bit of, as you say, a little bit of Pink Floyd touch, but still a commercial product. But it didn't seem to work. And uh, so I was thinking, okay, I'll do uh, I do prog full on then. What was the music scene like in the 90s? Because now, especially when you've got the way that music industry yeah. is and people have got niches or areas that the fans are, are often interested in, you can, there's a clearly defined market. The 90s was seemed to be a bit uh, different. It was. I mean, very much in Sweden, you had, I mean, I, I suppose the record companies, they were looking abroad. They're looking at America and 
they were looking at England and England had that was sort of well then suddenly you are in um, in the land of um, simple minds human league soft cell lots of synth stuff you know going on joy division of course clash and and all that you know so they i mean you have to remember that record companies they only look at how much money can they make <laughs> mm. which i understand because they got to make it work you know so they want to find something that they know already that they can make money from so i'm thinking i mean bands like you too i mean if they hadn't been signed maybe they'd never been signed mm. someone believed in them you know and now they're one of the biggest bands in the world you know because they had their own style and um, i think for a swedish record label to take a chance on a somewhat odd progressive but a little bit of pop band they they wouldn't do that they're too scared you know they they want to keep their job you know i don't want to be the guy that signed the, the flower kings that's a corny name. You can't be named the Flower Kings. So, because we had something that was similar in Sweden, everyone was mm. trying to copy whatever Simple Minds or whatever what popular. So even if something like Fleetwood Mac, you know, they were they were big in the late seventies in the and in the eighties, you know. But even bands like that had a problem. There was certain style of music, you know. So that I think looking back now, I think it was a blessing because. I got away from that. I didn't really believe I could write something that was commercial. And then it turned out to be the most commercial thing I've done was writing progressive rock. And I, I was probably, as you say, you mentioned back in the world of adventure, I spent awful lot of time on, on the writing and on the creation of, of the sounds and textures, you know, with a very low budget, I have to say. But I put in the hours and I had the ideas and I could play guitar and I brought in, I had good, good ear for bringing in the right musicians. I got this lovely drummer, Jaime Salazar, who was a guy from the southern part of Sweden, you know. He's been in like in heavy metal bands and stuff like that, but he had a, a very good groove. And uh, so I think by picking the right musicians and Thomas Bodin, of course, and being um, spending the time, you know, with the, with the recordings and the mixing and everything, I think uh, we had, a, for the first few albums, Back in the World, Retropolis, Start As We Are, I mean, the level was set really high. Night watch is paying his midnight call Light dies 
always down and the stars below Final ways of killing time Worn out jokes and silly rhyme Hollow hearts the radio talk Down a look, am I? That's not true
and I could feel it. I could sense it by the time we made Stardust. And this is, you have to remember, this was a time when maybe there was email. I can't remember, but I remember I had this fax machine and it was just every day there was always a new fax or there was, I had calls and I have had calls even from some people from famous bands, you know, calling and, and suddenly we were sort of drawn into something that we probably weren't really prepared for. We were just trying to make a good album and 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 then another album and and we got good reviews and then we made okay let's make a double album, so we made start as we are and that sort of pushed us out to go to America the first time and Canada and South America and and touring more like proper in in Europe also yeah so it was it's a adventurous couple of years. <laughs> There's lots of peaks in in the Flower King's career, but. Stardust is an album that, that is particularly special for, for many people, especially tracks like um, Church of Your Heart as well, which yeah, yeah, yeah. is a great peak. Do you know when you get the idea for a song or you work on it in the studio that you're really hitting something special or is it something that comes later? Yeah, I think Stardust was probably the third album where I used some of the commercial songs that I had. I mean, I mean, back in the world was one. I just expanded them. I put it in the solos. I put in the synth uh, lines and the s- sections, the build-ups, the crescendos. I was changing the tempos. So let's say you have this. You have a commercial song with a good uh, vocal melody uh, with lyrics in Swedish, and you take that one and then you mold it into something with the ly- uh, English lyrics and you add a, a solo or a synth intro or some mellotron or whatever. And then suddenly you turn it into a, more like a almost commercial progressive rock song. And I mean, Church of Your Heart is that kind of a song. That was probably like a three-minute song from the beginning. But since it didn't work commercially, I mean, with the record labels, I thought, well, that's a great song, you know. That's a great song. There's a great hook line. And there, there's something that's uplifting. It's kind of original. I think I can't think of a band that sounds like that, really. It's not like it's sounding like another band. It doesn't sound like... Jethro Tull or Yes or King Crimson. It sounds like something you haven't heard. So let's take that song and then build a little bit more, you know, put in some pipe organ, uh, make a break in the in the middle, blah, 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 do some vocal things, you know, we haven't tried. And, and then you put that on the album together with other more experimental songs or little instrumental things that really aren't super commercial. Then I think that's a good formula, you know. And I, I think it's a tried formula because I think exactly the same reason why things like King Crimson work, you know. In the beginning, I mean, the first King Crimson album, they had probably like Ian McDonald writing or, you know, and Pete Simple writing the, the, the lyrics. They had melodies and then they had the craziness, you know, of 21st century schizoman, all the fancy playing, you know, the great drummer, Robert Fripp, all these great guys. And the same thing with with Yes, I suppose. I mean, they had actually good vocal melodies and they could sing in harmony, but then they had all the instrumental craziness in between. So I think for for many bands, it doesn't work because they only had one thing. Either they have the commercial stuff and then they were kind of considered to be too lame or too poppy, or they had the the whatever Mavishnu craziness and I suppose, finding the the perfect blend. And I think it comes from also that pretty much my musical taste has always been like, I've liked pop music, you know. I like like the commercial version of Fleetwood Mac. I like the blues version. I like 
commercial i like uh, some stuff like from the eagles i like definitely the beatles to more experimental stuff or uh, things like Mavishno Orchestra, Herbie Hancock, the funk, you know, all these bands, Larry Graham. So so for me, it's been a, the journey has been through anything from the early years, from the Beatles and the Monkeys, through Vanilla Fudge, King Crimson, Frank Zappa and the Mothers. So there, there are no boundaries, really. It's not like, I th- oh, I don't listen to electronic music. Oh, I don't listen to improvised music. If someone play me a raga, that's one and a half hour. I can listen to that. I mean, I love lots of, of musical stuff like, I mean, I think West Side Story, Leonard Bernstein is is one of the great composers, you know. On the other hand, Burt Bacharach, I think, is one of my favorite composers too.
that reaching out for sounds and different approaches continued in, in the Flower Kings with um, Flower Power. Yeah. You've got one album, which is basically a suite of music, and yeah. it's Garden of Dreams. And then you've got another album where you've got different tracks like uh, Psychedelic Postcard, for example, yeah, which is yeah. kind of Zapper-esque. See, yeah. again, that ambition and reach continued for you and the group. Yeah, and I think that's what we have in common because we're when we're coming together, I mean, beginning Thomas Bodin was there in the band and he has, like me, a very uh, broad taste in music, you know, uh, being brought up with in a music school and uh, playing classical music, but also listening to jazz, playing uh, reggae or ska, <laughs> yeah. playing in whatever blues band or jam bands and, and Hasse Fröberg who was initially more like a heavy metal singer. He was in a heavy metal band here in Sweden. They had a bit of success. So that was, they had this fantastic hairdos back in the early 80s, you know, trying to be the next big metal band and um, the spandex trousers and, you know, all the, all what comes with being a metal band in the, in the 80s. But he was also a fan of, of pop music, you know, so he listened to anything from, as I said, Burt Bacharach or Elvis, Elvis Costello to, to Yes or Jeff Buckley, stuff like that, you know. So very broad taste in music. And that's what connects us, I think. I mean, that we have an open mind, you know. We have our specialities, of course, and certain things that maybe I like more, but there's a meeting point where we can sort of agree this is great music and we understand the the way we create the longer songs is like usually bits and pieces some some more simple vocal melody and then we put in a big orchestrated thing and then comes uh, more like a almost like a blues guitar solo and then then you have some electronics or really take it down and make it ambient so just just one of those bands that have a very very open mind to play just about anything so that's where we've been for a long time you know sometimes more we had more elements of, of metal sometimes more elements of orchestral and sometimes more elements of straight pop in the prog
And you've mentioned that element of metal and that harder riffing, and there's a little bit of that in um, Last Mate on Earth from The Rainmaker as well as we move forward. Oh, yeah. You've got that sort of harder edge, but then it, there's a release in that sound as well as, as things open up. I think it's, as I said, because we have all heard so many different kinds of music and loved so many different kinds, maybe not exactly the same groups, you know, but I grew up, Deep Purple was the, the metal band that I liked the most i think i liked led zeppelin too but i never liked black sabbath that much but i liked uh, deep purple because they had a swing you know they had great musician great drummer great bass everyone i mean everyone in that band was just ace <laughs> and, and one of the greatest singers i mean and they could swing and they could improvise and they had great sounds you know with the distorted hammond and, and richie blackmore his guitar solo and, and later Steve morse also great guitar player that kind of metal was something that I liked, you know, and, and maybe Hasse was more of a Led Zeppelin guy. So I think the element of, of metal has been there, you know, and um, it's uh, a little bit on and off, I would say. Maybe the, the, the last few albums, we have less of it, but but as you say, Last Minute on Earth, it's a, I think it's a good riff, you know. So when you find that, that riff, you know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm plugging my guitar and Put the distortion box on and i find that riff you know i said I, I gotta do something with this and and then you have the riff and then okay maybe i can do just like five minutes of riffing we need a vocal melody so i sit down with the keyboard and then i find out okay here's the vocal part and then you because it's progressive rock you can put anything in and i think that's the beauty of progressive rock there are no rules really so so you can find it you can find it in yes find it definitely in frank zappa's music you know he didn't bother to to ask anyone. Oh, is it okay if I put this in? No, Frank, you can't. <laughs> it's the the freedom. I, I think progressive rock. I mean, of all the musical styles, I think probably progressive rock is the one that offers the most options of of doing just about anything you want. How have you found going through the re reissues? Because not only you've had to listen again in great detail to the music that you made many years ago, in a way, mm. but you've also got a chance, especially with the vinyl releases, to take a deeper look at the artwork as well how's that been has it been difficult or are you happy with how it's all gone yeah i mean it i'm i'm, I'm reasonably happy i i wish we had more photos from the early years and reality is that's before the digital cameras i think i got my first digital camera around 99 or 2000 i think before that it's just like regular cameras and to be honest, we always forgot to bring cameras. And, and all I have is probably fans sent me photos and they're really bad photos, you know. Today, I mean, a digital camera can capture light in a completely different way than a, a regular camera, you know, unless you're a professional. But most people are just happy fans that bring their little Instamatic camera, you know, and take a few photos and then send to, to the band. And but we have a few and I've been searching. It took a little bit more time than I expected. And I just wish there was more. But for each release, there, there is more and more. So each album, I can find more. And then there's, of course, the limitation, whatever the record companies say. Well, you can have four sides. And I say, oh, can I have eight, eight sides of photos? Because I, I think actually the fans enjoy seeing uh, stuff they haven't seen before. So I'm I'm just trying to put myself in the in in the seat of, of how would a fan look at the new 
reissue of, of the Flower Kings release, you know, they want more. They want a better sound. They want maybe bonus song if there is one, and they want as much as they can as far as photos and information. I think so. We try. We try our best, you know. But sometimes it's I search, I search, I search, and uh, that's just the reality. But I think I mean I'm fairly happy with, with what we have on the on the first few reissues, and as we go along, I think there will be more. Actually. <laughs>
When we opened, uh, we mentioned briefly Our Latest Down by Royal Decree. Mm-hmm. How was that all put together in terms of the songs? Has some of the material actually reached back to things that you've had in the archives? Oh, yeah, that's, tr- that's true. Because that's something I try to view or review what I'm writing because I have lots and lots of music just lying around on, on hard drives. And sometimes I listen, I pick up something and say, oh, that's that's not bad, but it needs a, a good vocal section or it needs a better lyric or something like that. 
And I try to rewrite it and maybe I develop it into a full song. And that could be eight years old or 15 years old. I, I To me, it doesn't matter. But I was thinking also, maybe I was writing differently 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So for Royal Decree, there there's even moments, I think, in songs, not full songs, but ideas and moments or like a instrumental section or a vocal section that goes back even to the time before the Flower Kings. Because I was thinking I was probably writing in a slightly different way then. So maybe it would be interesting to see, not just use what I've written the last year, because that could be that, you know, you're stuck in an idea, you know, and you try to develop something over a period of time when you have time to write music. And I don't know. I, I just got a feeling that, okay, maybe I'm stuck now in something here. I'm trying to get, you know, something that I have in this now. And and maybe my mind was somewhere else 10 or 15 years ago. And it could be interesting. So it's more like an idea, you know. And usually also with lyrics, I, I nowadays I don't sit down much and write them. I just put on the music and then I start singing, you know, whatever comes, because I think that's without the filter and that's, and then you can always go back. Of course, you can go back and, and make sure it makes sense. And sometimes you even, okay, with it doesn't make sense, but you know, the listener can make sense of it. So, but uh, I think that's as far as I can go without a filter and without overthinking stuff, because looking back, I can certain albums and certain songs I can feel that I was overthinking. I was trying to write the perfect progressive rock piece, you know, and I just put in too much stuff. I put in the wrong stuff. I was trying to be too smart, if you know what I mean, and using themes because this is a classic formula of writing music. You know, you take uh, you take a melody line and then you put that melody line as the bass line. But what's the point if the listener can't hear it? You know, if they don't, don't understand it, it doesn't matter to them. It's just like a, like a formula I use to feel good about myself that, I oh, I'm clever. I can write music like this, you know, or I take another, something that's in, in major, I, I turn into ma- minor, or I can use, uh, you know, different elements or r- rhythm elements and turn them around, you know, different time signatures. And that makes it very much mind music. And um, and I've tried the last few albums to make it less mind music and more go more by intuition, you know, try to not overthink it. Would you say A Million Stars is a really great example of that? Because it's, it's just got the vocal top line oh. as kind of a, a real simplicity to it and, oh, a, and a universal feel. Totally, totally. And that, that took me about maybe half an hour to write. And I think it's probably our most played song on YouTube. So it just goes to show that that you you don't and then there's other epics that we made with the Flower Kings over the years and and I listen to them now and I think oh why did I write it like that there's really good sections in the song why didn't I use the good sections and expanded those instead of putting in thirty different ideas in the song you know yeah so pretty much uh, I mean you learn from experience and from listening to your own music and being open minded and being your own critic, if you know what I mean. Looks so different in the midst of night. See the beauty 
of the suns and sights and the white lights they are coming down strong there's a million nameless stars above there's a million homes not ruled by love be more to this less talking and more listening so it turned my face away can I save some time and speak some truth can we turn around the way of fools so you can see now where I'm bound found the greatest love in a microscopic A million years of evolution I know there's more to this I'm ready and I listen For a world behind me
another song that that i really love from the royal decree and that's revolution yeah and i love the way it opens up it it starts off with kind of almost an ancient folk feel for me is that something that is swedish or yeah i think it i think it is it it's not by design always sometimes i think it's just you know by chance something that pops up you know or because i'm living in sweden and i've been growing up listening to this kind of music and and uh, on the radio and and uh, in my younger days you know being up in the north and you know hearing music people playing the the fiddle you know up there and but sometimes i try to put it in because i'm i'm thinking what can i do that's unique what can i do that because sometimes people say oh flower kings they're just like a copy of yes and i'm thinking well <laughs> of course you can find elements of yes you know but if you listen to yes you can find elements of the beatles etc or whatever you know it's like or or you can hear whatever chicory and in 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 jazz music but i'm thinking that if i listen to if i try to view the flower kings music from the outside if even possible i'd like to see something that's uniquely swedish something that that only the flower kings can do 
and the more different we are from other bands, the better, I think. Mm. But there's always going to be something because I've been growing up with this, you know, I've been growing up with, with the Beatles, of course, with Frank Zappa and elements like that, Pink Floyd. That, that's going to be in the music along, alongside lots of classical music, uh, all the classical composers and uh, uh, even some whatever. There, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's elements of tango and stuff. I mean, r- right now, actually working with writing music for, and for, for the next Flower Kings album, and I'm sitting here and thinking, this piece is probably 20 minutes long and, and there's so many different elements and there's nothing in there. There's nothing that sounds like Genesis or Yes or King Crimson or or Emerson, Lake and Palmer. There's nothing, but there's lots of stuff that sounds like music from, from musicals. I can hear some tango, some some South American music in, the, in it. I can hear some folk music in it. I can hear lots of classical, more not so melodical classical music, but it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say dissonant, but a little bit, a little bit dissonant and and different for, for, the, for the Flower Kings. But there's really nothing that you can say it sounds like another band. And that made me a bit nervous because before sending this music to the other guys in the band, I'm thinking, I wonder what they're going to think, you know. And this is something I've been working for a while and I never used it in, any project uh, like the Flower Kings or Transatlantic, because I, I was just thinking this is probably not progressive rock. But now I'm trying to sort of man up a bit and say, okay, let's do this. Let's do these 20 minutes of, of music that that doesn't sound like any other prog band and see how the, the prog fans actually take that in, you know, because what can happen? Yeah, maybe they don't like it, but maybe there are other songs on the album they like. So, but you got, I think that's the spirit of progressive rock. You got to be ready to sacrifice something, you know, to move forward. And if you're not ready to do that, then you're probably going to be stuck with doing your whatever Pink Floyd copy or Genesis copy. So that's, that's where we are right now, you know, but we will see, but it's, I'm, I'm feeling enthusiastic about, I mean, right here in, in my studio right now, I, I feel like, okay, this, this is going the right way. <laughs> But we'll see. It's going to be interesting, you know, a year from now when the album is out and and, uh, how the fans react to it is going to be kind of a learning experience uh, if it was the right decision. But but it's it's 20 minutes. We'll we'll see. But it's interesting. That's that's where where my mind is right now, you know, and it's, it's like because... As said, we I can't even remember how many albums we made, but I'm sure it at least could be 12 or 13 maybe studio albums. So... There's got to be change sometime, and and you got to be ready to take a risk. I think so, and try something. So so that's where I am right now. I don't know about the rest of the guys, but we'll see. I mean, it's a great way to close, and it seems to be a real theme of our discussion was that across the Flower King's journey is that endless search and and experimentation and and bringing in different sounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I see the the Flower Kings as a kind of a commercial band, but we're kind of left field. We're like in a small genre of, of I mean, yes, and Jethro Tull and Emerson Lake Park. They were lucky. They were in the in the in the mid seventies when so things were different. You know, a different community, and and lots of kids were smoking pot and stuff like that. And maybe the music sounded right to them. But I think now for a band to become super famous like they become, like like Emerson, Lake and Palmer, yes, we're playing big, big arenas. 
that can't happen now. But I mean, I mean, what we are, we're trying to entertain the audience that we have and we try to get new fans in some younger people. That's wonderful. Always learning new fans coming in on their whatever my kids age, you know, and that's great. That's lovely. And as well as the old fans. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's important to remember why we came here from the beginning, you know, to play whatever we want and whatever, you know, we'd like to record and then just trust that the fans will love it. So that's that's where I am right now. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you again, Reiner. And um, I wish you all the continued success with the reissue campaign and hugely impressed. And it's great to see even if it, some of those records did have a very, very small vinyl release, that they're, they're getting a, a wider hearing in, in that vinyl oh, form. And it's even better to to see that the those sparks of creativity are still going for new music as well. So thank you. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. We, we're on it. There, there's so much happening right now. So, so it's a great time. Yeah. All the very best. Yep. The same to you. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew Podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.